I'm Amy Pruitt. I'm Lisa Dumas. I teach Ayurveda and yoga. I teach yoga. I'm a yoga therapist in training, and I offer transformational coaching. But that's just part of the story. We're moms, daughters, wives, and friends. We're always learning, and we've both experienced healing by what we teach. And the intention of this podcast is to offer you our favorite tools from the traditions and sciences that support us as we navigate the realities and stressors of modern life. Each week, we'll share stories, answer your questions, and talk to others who inspire us. Welcome to the Radiant Warrior Podcast. Yoga and Ayurveda to reclaim a courageous heart. Hi, Amy. Hi, Lisa. So much has happened since we've spoken. I know. I'm excited to talk about it. I've been back and forth to Toronto from Vancouver. But before I tell you about that, we have some things to share, actually, that we have going on locally. And I know that a bunch of our listeners are from our communities, um, you in Columbus, Ohio. And for me, uh, as I've shared with you, I used to have a yoga studio in this area of British Columbia called the Okanagan Valley specifically the city of Vernon. And the studio was called Arise Yoga before I moved back to Vancouver. And there was just a beautiful, beautiful community of yogis that was created at that studio. And I miss them so much, but I'm very lucky in that my parents live in that city. And so I get back at least a couple of times a year and I'm able to teach at different locations when I'm there. And I did just want to share with our listeners that I am going to be teaching in the Okanagan Valley in the next couple of weeks. There's this beautiful golf resort called Predator Ridge Golf Resort just outside of Vernon. And they have built these two incredible yoga platforms that have astonishing views. They just overlook nothing but this vast lake called the Okanagan Lake, mountains in the distance, and I'll be teaching during sunset on Wednesday, July 31st at the Predator Ridge Golf Resort at the Namaste Yoga Platform. And that's happening from six to eight. And the way it works is that we meet and we go on about a 15 minute, 18 minute hike to the platform. And then we'll do our special practice And then it gets even better. There's a a local catering company that does these specialized charcuterie boards, including um, lots of vegan options and even vegan cheeses for my vegan yogis. And so we're able to have a little bit of a snack enjoying the rest of the sunset after we practice. Nice. That sounds amazing. Yeah. it's It's an event that's going on by a sweet yoga company in Vernon called Grace and Flow. That was started by um, one of my former students, wonderful friend and yogi named Jessica. And so she invited me and I'm so honored to be able to teach. And you can go get tickets on the link on my website. And, you know, there's obviously limited space on that platform. So that's lisadumasyoga.com and you can find the link on my website. It sounds it sounds beautiful. This is definitely a time when I wish you lived a little bit closer because I've been able to show you Vancouver. You came up to teach a yoga and Ayurveda retreat with me here, but you came in the coldest month, which is January. And even though it doesn't really snow here, it got pretty cold while you were here. So you didn't see it really at its best. Oh, I don't know. I mean, as cold as you say it was, it didn't feel like Ohio cold to me. 
<laughs> it still felt pretty mild compared to Ohio cold. Well, we were in a pretty, a pretty sweet area of Vancouver as well. And what about you? What do you have going on at your new studio, Radiant Yoga and Wellness, Amy? It's just a stunning space and the community has really come out to support us. So if there's anyone local to Central Ohio, I invite you to come check us out, take a class, just come in and say hi and have tea. You can find us at radiantyogaandwellness.com or you can find us on the Mind Body app um, by searching Radiant if you're in Central Ohio. And I wanted to add that since we've been open now for a month, I have kind of gotten into a groove with my schedule and I have opened up a few more space, spaces for Ayurveda clients. So if somebody would like to work with me um, in an Ayurvedic practice, they can book with me by visiting my website. It's A-I-M-E-E-P-R-U-I-T-T, amypruitt.com. Mm-hmm. So I would love to work with any of our listeners, whether they're local or they could be anywhere in the world, because I do see clients by Zoom or video conferencing as well. I'm glad that you mentioned that. And we have our websites on the show notes of this podcast because essentially that's that's how we met. That's why we came together because there's so much power in practices that come from Ayurveda and that come from yoga. And when you work with an Ayurvedic teacher and practitioner like Amy, this is a really beautiful experience that you take yourself on because Amy finds out what your wellness goals are and what's going on in your life. And it's just such a a kind and loving way of mentoring you and guiding you through just easeful and really beautiful lifestyle opportunities and suggestions, nutrition. I mean, it's all customized, but Ayurvedic practices are, are so powerful. They're gentle, they're empowering, like you're empowering yourself to help yourself. And they're simpler than you would think. But it's just a, it's a wonderful, wonderful experience. So um, I would highly recommend that our listeners look into working with you for sure. Mm, thank you. So we just got back last night from Toronto and from Vancouver. That's that's about a five hour flight. It's like going L.A. to New York, Vancouver to Toronto. And we go there pretty often. I lived there for three years and that's actually where I met my husband. And I lived there when I was very young in my radio career And we go back often because my husband grew up there and I have my 25-year-old stepdaughter who lives there who is getting married. And I know it's so exciting. They have their new place. So this was the first time that I got to see their new condo in the suburb of Burlington. She's met herself a wonderful, wonderful man. This, This girl, Ellen is her name, my stepdaughter. I don't love the term stepdaughter though. Like, I don't know. She's... I've been in her life since she was three, and I always just call her my firstborn. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we always just say that. We always just say our firstborn. Um, yeah. And I, she says she doesn't mind. So, but, you know, she really, she really taught me about being a mom, and we have a very special relationship. So I couldn't be more proud of the woman that she has become. She is so smart and responsible. She's She's got it all figured out. And they have created a beautiful life together. It's just so nice to see her find the man that she truly loves and who truly loves her. So nice to see that. Mm. So it 
did happen to be very lucky that she decided to go and try on wedding dresses for the first time and I was there. And I feel very blessed that she and her mom invited me to come along and um, our daughter Grace, her sister, came too. And she found the dress during that during that uh, that appointment. Oh, nice. I know. I didn't know if it would happen, but she said yes to the dress. <laughs> She said yes to the dress. (laughs) So that was one of the wonderful things that happened during the week. The other reason that we went there is my 17-year-old daughter is just a huge musical theater lover. This is what she wants to do with her life. She wants to live in New York. She wants... This is is all she wants to do. And so when possible, um, we're very lucky that we can go and see wonderful musical theater. And in Toronto, it was uh, some of the final shows of Dear Evan Hansen, which is a a big show that my daughters wanted to see for a long time. So we got to see that. And it was just very touching and heartwarming. If anybody has an opportunity to see that show, I would highly recommend it. But the big thing that I wanted to share with you, apart from all of the wonderful experiences that I had in Toronto, Last week, we were talking about what we would like to say to our younger selves. So it was just so funny that I had a real experience almost with my younger self because I moved to Toronto when I was 23 years old. I had been doing radio. I'd been in my radio career for mm, three and a half years by that time, and I got called to come in and interview for this position at this Toronto radio station. And I was so excited about that. I think somebody that I had worked with had had probably recommended me. And I had maybe just been on an airplane one other time. And I've shared really openly, you know, that's what my whole path is about, that in my 20s and early 30s, I suffered with anxiety greatly. And so this was kind of the beginning of all of that. And I was very excited, but nervous. And so this radio station in Toronto flew me in and they put me up at a hotel and they picked me up and they took me for lunch. And then that's when I had my interview. And that's when I found out that I had the job. And then after lunch, they took me back to that hotel, which is in downtown Toronto, very nice place. But just due to my how naive I was and how fearful I was about everything, I didn't feel confident enough to go out and explore on my own. So I just kind of sat in that hotel room. I'm embarrassed to say, but that's what I did when I was 23. I had this opportunity to go to Toronto, see someplace I'd never seen, and I didn't take it. I couldn't. Well, can you understand why you didn't then? Oh, I mean, yes. I'm not upset with her, with that Mm -hmm. 23-year-old version of me. I have a lot of compassion for her. But it was very exciting because we went and we were staying with um, my firstborn (laughs) the the whole time. But my husband had a meeting in the city on our last day. And so he and I took the opportunity to stay in Toronto together and give our girls time to be just alone together, which I know our youngest, our 17-year-old, what really digs that time without mom and dad she just wants to you know get to know her sister as adults so yeah. it was a win-win we went into the city and it turned out that I got a great deal on booking.com at that very same hotel and it is a very nice hotel in fact <laughs> I remember that 
my past boss at that point, my new boss had said to me, you know, we don't normally put employees up at a place like this, but everywhere that was, that was uh, an economy hotel was already booked. (laughs) (laughs) They could have kept that part to themselves. Yeah. it, it, It turned out to be revealing about our future relationship, but I remember going, Okay. <laughs> thank, thank you. <laughs> right. So it was kind of cool. It was the first time I'd been back since in over 20 years. And we checked in. Cliff had a few hours that he had to be out at a meeting. And I was like, okay, this is a do-over. We're going to actually leave the hotel this time. <laughs> <laughs> and when I lived in Toronto, yeah, I didn't really see a lot of it because I was working all the time. I, I was working 12 and 15 hour days as a young and green radio announcer at this radio station. And um, yeah, I was working like sometimes the 6 p.m. to midnight shift and I was working all the weekends and I was the one that would um, sub for all the vacationing announcers, like, you know, just like the low man on the totem pole wrote the countdowns and interviewed the artists, just just everything. And I, I was glad to do it. It was an amazing experience, but I did work all the time. And when I wasn't working, I was just out someplace, you know, having fun and kind of partying in those days. So I didn't see a lot of what there was to see. And it was a wonderful experience to take myself and my inner 23-year-old everywhere that she didn't get to see at the time, everywhere that she was too afraid to see. We went down to the waterfront. We saw all the sights. And we just we just really meandered together. And I felt it was like a really corrective experience, you know, just proving to both of us that we're stronger than we think. That's amazing. I love when you have the opportunity for a do-over or, like you said, to take your younger self to places where you might have missed an opportunity in the past. Yeah. I, I was looking forward to sharing that with you, that it was special for me. And it got me thinking about this podcast and and how it's important that we take these times for ourselves to get to know ourselves. And um, it's this next little story of the week that I think will launch us into what we were wanting to talk about. Because, you know, we're traveling with our 17-year-old and we're all together 24-7 and it was an incredible experience, but there's bound to be conflict. You know, that's that's the stage of life that we're in. Um, raising our daughter, we're all doing our best and nobody's at fault. But lots of times conversations just erode into places that we didn't plan for them to go. And it is a source of a lot of dismay for me at times because I'll have the best of intentions when it comes to a conversation. And it'll just go off the rails. And you raised a couple of kids. So I think you know what I'm talking about. Yes. Yes. And actually, it was interesting because in the play Dear Evan Hansen, it is about raising teenagers. And there are two moms that have a song where the song is about, does anybody have a map? (laughs) (laughs) The song is all about, you know, having a good intention to have a great conversation and having it just go south. And it's hard to tell how that how it even happened, you know, and before long, there's slam doors and hurt feelings. And you're like, wow, that is not how I wanted that to go. So 
I had a situation like that. In this particular conversation, though, I have to admit, last week we were talking about being triggered. I have to admit that I found myself feeling very upset. And, you know, even my daughter Grace said, you know, why is this such a big deal for you? And I won't go into the whole thing because it's not all my story to tell. I'll just share my part, which is she, of course, her want from me is to be treated like an adult. And that is the evolution that's happening in this household. Absolutely. I I just support her um, stepping into adulthood for sure. And she mentioned to me that she didn't feel that I was doing that in front of her sister. And the reason that I felt like sort of this cut when that when that was said is because in my heart, the way that I've truly been thinking is so facilitating them as two adults together. Like that's really part of my intention for the recent trips as my daughter's been getting older. So the fact that she said that, that is exactly opposite of every intention that I hold. And so I found that it bothered me more than things that she might say that I could then explain away. Like this one, I was just so not seen in my correct intention, you know? And yeah. and it got me thinking about this online class that I took once that went over some of these tricky thoughts that all of us have, but we don't know we have them. They're beliefs. And if we were really to take some time and question, why is this bothering me? We could narrow it down to these thoughts that all of us do think, but we're not ever questioning them. You know, it's it's what we've talked about before, the work of Byron Katie. We're either believing or questioning our thoughts at any given time because we're thinking, 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 and we're always just reacting based on them. So when I got so upset, I took some time to think, okay, what is this? What is the underlying belief that is so upsetting me here? And it was that. It was that not being understood by her, like not being seen as I truly was, wanting her to see me in a different way. And the thing is, is we talked about this. I can't control that. And I also can't force anybody else to understand me because we're all viewing each other through our own specific lens. That's the best we can do. So you see what I'm getting at here. One of the thoughts that holds a lot of us back is I need to be understood or I should be understood or they should understand me. And we might not know that that is an underlying thought that is carrying our behavior and our reactions, but it is in many cases. And it was for me that day. I thought we could talk a little bit about that. Yeah. As as I was sitting here listening to you talk, I was thinking of about a thousand times where I felt misunderstood or not seen, or I wasn't getting either my intention or my thoughts across and not understanding why people don't understand me. And I can think of, I can think of instances with my own daughters where I had an idea of, of how I wanted them to see me and how I thought I was. And, and then when they didn't understand that, or they, they perceived me differently, especially it seemed like when they were teenagers, I felt very misunderstood by them. And that was so painful because when they were babies and when they were little, I just had this idea of how our relationship would be as they grew into young adulthood and adulthood. And 
when they didn't see me as I, as I thought I was, or they didn't understand me, that hurt so badly because I, I didn't feel like they really knew who I was or, you know, that, that my ideas or this closeness that I thought I had with them, that they weren't feeling that or seeing that as well. Uh, you know, things that they would say about how they thought I thought about things that were so off the map. Um, you know, whether it was ideas about activities that they were doing or how I was raised or, you know, you hear from your children, you never, or you always, or, and then, you know, dot, 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 fill in the rest. And, and it would always put me on the defensive right away first to defend myself and then to try to explain myself to them and then to be hurt that they didn't see me or understand me as a person, not just as their mother, but as a person. I'm sure a lot of moms of teenage girls and and boys, but I'm sure a lot of moms of teenagers feel similarly because that is a pain that I don't notice that we're talking about a lot. The pain when you realize that they see you, maybe even the way you saw you know, we saw our parents, the pain when we realized that they see us as maybe just meddling mom or something <laughs> and yeah. in the opposite way that, that you perceive yourself or the opposite way that you have mindfully cultivated your role as a mother. And yes, listening to, to you share that, that was really helpful for me to hear because that has been painful to hear some of the words that she says and realize that the way she sees me is not how I want her to see me. I mean, I guess it comes down to that. (laughs) Yeah. Like you said, they only see you as the meddling mom and you don't see yourself as just that. And I don't see myself as just that. And I never wanted them to not know me And there were periods of time where I felt like they didn't know me or they didn't see all of me or what I was going through or my past or my struggles or my humanity that as mothers, we're not perfect and we do make mistakes. And to not be seen for that as well. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And everything that they're doing and saying in the way that they're perceiving us, it's all completely developmentally appropriate. We know this. And so that's the point. And this is what, what Grace couldn't understand. She said, I can imagine that it must be painful to hear your daughter say that she wants to be treated like an adult. And I said, no, no, honey, that that is not how I'm feeling. I am so happy to see the adult that you're growing into. And, and, want to support that in every way. And I look forward to those days. I, what is painful is the fact that you don't feel as though I am treating you that way in front of your sister. And that's been my biggest goal on this trip is to um, facilitate experiences where they can be adult friends together. 
So that's why it did feel like I was so incredibly misunderstood. But then when I really sat with it, you know, it didn't have anything to do with her. It had to do with the overarching theme of being misunderstood in general. Mm-hmm. And that's why I'm so grateful to have the tools that I teach and, and that you teach is to go, okay, what is the origin belief of this that is so uncomfortable for me? And I'm really happy to say that my husband can sometimes question that for me. And he'll even say, he'll ask me the Byron Katie question, okay, who would you be without that thought? Because I will have the one thought then, you know, she doesn't see me. And then that computer brain of ours will just say all of the negative ways that the relationship could be. But as you said, it's never one thing. You know, the relationship is is all things. And it sometimes is incredibly painful and it sometimes is incredibly beautiful. So I had to realize this isn't about what she said. This is about a deeper issue of feeling not seen. Yeah, as feeling as feeling not understood. And then it brought me back to remembering that class that I took, that that's, that central thought, I must be understood. If we really ask ourselves, do we believe that? If we think about our relationships, do we really believe that they should understand me? And if that is a belief that we hold fast to, we're likely going to have a lot of contrast and a lot of uncomfortable um, emotions and feelings to deal with because that's just not possible. Yeah. And how can we control other, all the other people in the universe perception of us? <laughs> no. And that's exhausting. <laughs> no, that's exactly it. That's the, that's the boundary teaching. Like that's when we're no longer in our own minds anymore. We're like jumping into the heads of other people around us and, and trying hard to get them to see us in the way that makes us feel comfortable. But yeah, you're right. I, probably said this on this podcast before. I've heard this said by uh, another teacher where, you know, you could walk into a room and 10 people could be there and, you know, everybody sees that you're wearing the same clothes and you're saying the same things to everyone, but each person is seeing you in their own way that is dependent on their own lens that they see life through. And there is nothing that we can do about that. And so, What do we do when we come across wanting to be understood by somebody and they are just not? Well, unfortunately, what we need to do is the work to understand ourselves. Oh, the work to understand ourselves. That's, (laughs) you know, just an easy little thing. Yeah. Oh, my God. Just a a summer project. (laughs) Just a weekend project, really. Like, not, you know, like an afternoon, maybe on a Saturday, and then we'd be good, right? It's an entire path on the yoga path, self-study. Yeah. It, yeah. This, is, this is a lifetime journey. If we're going to speak about it in terms that come from the Ayurveda and yoga therapy and yoga traditions, we would say, you know, this level of the mind that we call Manomaya Kosha, when we do practices to help to purify that level of the mind, then we're seeing more clearly and we're seeing things as they really are. But if we find that we are pretty regularly offended by what other people say, if we find that we're pretty regularly hurt 
by what other people say. And my hand is up in my past life for sure. I I was way overly sensitive to the words of others, including my husband. And yes, some of us just have more of a sensitive constitution. I understand that. But if that's a regular thing, then that may be a case of having thought patterns that convince you that the actions and words of other people mean a certain thing that is negative towards you. Yeah, that what they what we are perceiving that they're perceiving as negative might not even be the case. And that is the sign of of that unbalanced for lack of a better word. I mean, there's never any perfect balance, but that's a sign of having non-harmony, I guess, in monomyakosha when we find that the thoughts that we're having are typically telling us that the world is against us, really. When the way that we're thinking is obscuring from view the way life truly is. And then going back to, like you said, the work of Byron Katie, is that true? It's taking the time to process. And I think that's the heart of what we're offering in this conversation is here we have summer for lots of us, a little bit of a different schedule and maybe just a little bit of extra time. And self-care doesn't just mean that we take that we take more time for relaxation, which, hey, that's incredibly important. But maybe taking a few minutes away from numbing out, which when we're uncomfortable, I can cop to that all day long. You know, choosing to look down at my phone, choosing to watch something on Netflix, choosing to get a piece of chocolate. And the reason that this recent trip forced me to process rather than numb is because we all just were together like that. You know, there was, there was, we weren't at home with our regular corners that we could retreat to. And I deeply wanted this family trip to be a positive one. So I wanted to process. And part of that is allowing yourself to feel it. Yeah. That you were a captive audience to your own feelings. You had nowhere to go to escape. No, I didn't. And so I, I am glad that it's hard to take your own advice all the time. But in in this instance, you know, it felt horrible to have those kind of feelings happen between loved ones that that's very painful. And Mm -hmm. so it, it was very painful. And I watched myself spiral a little bit because there is conflict in our relationship. And I can hear my thoughts telling me that the relationship is not what it should be, right? More of those thoughts. And I think a lot of moms can relate to those kinds of thoughts. When we have conflict with our teenagers, we can go into shame and blame and how we might have said the wrong thing or handled that incorrectly. How could we have said that? You know, that negative self-talk can take us down a rabbit hole where we're feeling really awful. And it does take some time to sit with it and to have something to go to because it's really easy to just use the word when we need to process our emotions. Let's be practical with this, Amy. Like I'll say what that means for me and then tell me what 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 you think. But for me now, I, I really, first of all, I have to create some sort of disruption in this negative cycle of feelings and and the panic that I'll feel and the guilt that I'll feel. And sometimes I'll admit it, like almost the episodic depressive feelings that I'll have around my relationship with my daughter, because 
you know, I can just go back to all the dreams that I had when I was pregnant with her and also the relationship I've had with my own mom that's been really positive. And so I have definitely made it mean that I'm not a good enough mother when I've had conflict with my daughter. Thank goodness for, for support systems like you and our past guest, Jody Cron, who's just such a talented psychotherapist who says, you know, you are a good enough mother and that's why she can handle this conflict with you. So first of all, I would say reaching out and getting the perspective of someone that inspires you, of someone who's already been there is wonderful. But even before that, creating some sort of disruption. And for me, that is deep, long breaths and getting present, like looking around and looking for colors and textures and air on skin, all of those ways that we tether to the present moment, because then it just gives my brain it gives my mind just those few minutes to say, oh, wait, what am I, what am I thinking here? And if you're into journaling, writing down all the different thoughts you have, it really helps because when we're spinning, we can't even pick out the thoughts that maybe we're reacting to because sometimes they're so chaotic. There's such a tumble of them. The negative self-talk just gets louder and quicker. So writing down specifically, what am I thinking? Because this practice of self-study, this understanding ourselves, this is what is important to make time for this summer. If you have any summer projects on the go, we have to know what we're thinking because we know that what we're thinking creates so much. It creates how we feel and then that creates the actions that we take. What we're thinking about the people we're in a relationship with is probably even more important than the time we spend with them. You know, we're creating everything in our minds. So we have to know what we're thinking. I totally agree. Like you said, you have to create a disruption. For me, it's almost the opposite. When I am uncomfortable, I can get really lost in my work or tasking and then putting my feelings in a box and putting that box up on a shelf and not ever looking at it again because that would be uncomfortable. And just doing the getting lost in the things, my long to-do list. I can't remember where I heard it. If I heard it here or if Jody said it or I just don't know where I heard it, but when you're falling, dive instead. And for me, that really resonates when it comes to these uncomfortable feelings. If I'm feeling something instead of hiding it and putting it in a box and putting it, a, putting it away, knowing that it's there to be dealt with, I have to really dive into it. That can be extremely uncomfortable, but it is the quickest path for me through it. And so to to really kind of marinate in my feelings, to have the opportunity to get quiet and just see what's there. And for years, I never did that. Feelings were very unwelcome. And if I had been hurt or if I was sad or if I was grieving or if I was angry, I put that in a box, put a bow on it, stuck it up on a shelf in my closet. And my closet got very full of boxes that I never dealt with. Mm -hmm knowing that there's a feeling there and that there's a message there to be dealt with is so much easier to just dive into it. If you feel like you're falling, that really has been powerful. And I find that accessible through meditation. I find so much healing and clarity in that and getting quiet and just listening to what's there. No agenda, no, no plan, but like you said, connecting with your breath and just allowing the silence to 
provide me with the grounding and the clarity and the healing that I need. And if there are feelings there that need processed, that's an opportunity to process those. And, you know, that's, that's what's been really working for me lately. Do you remember the first time that you gave that a go and you learned that you could survive on the other end? Because for a lot of people, I hear that the thought of really facing and really sitting and really diving, like it feels like they may not come back. We've learned and we're told that the worst thing that can happen is a bad feeling, but that discomfort, boy, it runs deep. Can you share when you first sampled that and and then the fact that you turn to it now, is it because you did it and then you realize that you could handle it, you know, that you lived and so you felt a lot stronger and you built resilience that way? Oh, I remember clearly running from feelings because I thought I would literally die. I I really thought feelings could kill me with their power. And so then these feelings just backed up and backed up. And I, I mean, I could feel it in the, in my throat all the time, this, this sadness and this anxiety and this fear And it was fear of feeling feelings. And I thought, oh my God, if I have to feel this pain of experiences in my life, past marriages, divorces, grieving relationships that didn't turn out the way I wanted them to, if I have to feel that pain, I know my heart will literally stop. It's just, I'm, I will literally die. And I carried that for years and the amount of energy and the amount of time that I spent running from feelings. And then when I was finally faced with feeling all of it and having it move through me and having it be so cleansing and so rejuvenating, there was nothing like it. And I didn't die. Mm -hmm. I was like, well, bring on some more feelings then. Like, let's see what else I can feel. And I didn't die with the next feeling. And I could feel anger and process it appropriately and not let it just fester inside of me and create resentment. But I could appropriately articulate when my boundaries had been crossed without lashing out or shoving it down and just resenting whoever I felt like had crossed my boundaries or resenting myself because my boundaries, I'd crossed my own boundaries Mm -hmm. or sadness, like being so afraid to be sad, being so afraid to cry. Like, I don't want to cry. I have to keep it together. I have to keep everything together. I have to keep everything zipped up and buttoned up. And who has time for that? But truly I spent far more time and energy keeping it together than if I had just allowed myself opportunities here or there that didn't have to be lengthy, but to fall apart. And even when I fell apart, I didn't literally like break into pieces on the floor for somebody to sweep up with the dustpan and toss out. Like even when I fell apart, I was able to come through that lighter on the other side and put back together in a much more solid way than trying to knit myself together every day. So yeah, now I'm all about feelings like feel them, bring them, you know, like, and if I, if something touches me, you know, like a 
sad song or a movie or something like that, I'm like, I get into it. And I, you know, like there's gotta be some, something inside of me that's gotta be purged now. So let's use this tool, whatever it is to bring out more of that. I don't know if anybody can relate to that, but, but yeah, now I, I walk through life lighter and more solid and I don't have that feeling in the back of my throat all the time of running from a bad feeling because I'm literally afraid it's going to kill me. I want to highlight a couple of things that you said. First of all, that feeling in the throat, that is such a familiar feeling to me and I'm sure to many listening. When we feel that achy, closed feeling in our throat, what does that mean? That means that something, just as Amy was saying, something needs to be expressed. Something wants to be expressed. We're holding something in so tightly because we're afraid of it. But that is such a, a good way to communicate with our body in that instance. You know, that, that is what that feeling is, is telling us. Something wants to be expressed. And we can ask ourselves, what is that? What wants to be spoken? What emotion needs to be expressed here? And then when you mentioned that now you're not afraid to feel those feelings to the degree that you have allowed yourself to feel the contrasting emotions, you can then open up yourself to feel even more joy and even more happiness and even more gratitude. Because if we're closing off one emotion, you know, we're going to also give ourselves less space to feel the others. So um, that, that was a beautiful, beautiful share. And I also want to highlight the importance of meditation. You know, everybody has to find their own path, but me too. And that has been instrumental with my parenting because if I feel myself feeling triggered and having a very strong negative emotion that is not going to be helpful to bring into a conversation with her, I just have to remove myself even for five minutes, sit, have an intention of opening up above this monomaya kosha, above these lower thoughts and these limiting beliefs and have the intention of opening up to the higher mind, to compassion, to the qualities of my heart. Just even that, having that intention and closing my eyes and going within, there's an entirely different experience that washes over me. And then I am able to speak with her from an open heart and away from all of these thoughts that have nothing to do with her. They're just my inner teenager. They're just my inner wanting to be understood, which again is one of those thoughts that when we recognize it, when we recognize, ah, I really want them to see me in a certain way. I really want them to understand me. Why don't they understand me? When we realize that that thought is at the bottom of it all, we can remember that, well, you know what? They don't have to understand you. And maybe even if you go through the process of Byron Katie's work, you get to this point of, well, they shouldn't understand you because they're not. You know, in reality, they're not, so they shouldn't. And we insisting that they should is just causing us so much resistance and so much unhappiness, and it's causing so much conflict. What if we got to the point where I should understand myself. That's the truth here. And how can I do that? How can I understand where this thought came from in the first place? How can I understand why I want to be seen and understood so deeply? We all have our answers for that. 
Mm-hmm. You know, we're all looking to heal something within, and we can all give that to ourselves. So, summer project. <laughs> Just a little afternoon, weekend, <laughs> quick thing. <laughs> But there are practical ways that we can purify that Manamaya Kosha. And that is know what you're thinking. Yes, meditation, that is such a way to cut through that and to open up to your higher mind and to open up to your heart. Um, Meditation is a practice. It for sure doesn't come easy. I know for me, when I first started, I was living in San Diego and I went to a meditation group class at the Chopra Center there. That voice inside was just telling me, you're a terrible meditator. You're never going to be able to meditate. That that was what that voice said. This is this is ridiculous. All these other people, they're just fully at peace and you have a war inside your head. This you're just not made for this. It was a teacher that said, you know, that's why they call it a practice. You know, we all have our moment. We have our moment when and we don't want to create expectations, but we have our moment when we realize something new through the process of turning within and turning down the volume on thinking. And that changes everything. It does. And I like how you said it's a practice because it is a practice. We come to meditation thinking it's going to be instant relief. And very often we can find that it unearths so much more than we were expecting. Practicing it every day or as often as possible like anything else, we get better and better at it. And it doesn't have to look like this big formal endeavor either. It doesn't have to look like seated cross-legged and mala beads and incense. It doesn't have to look like that at all. It can be laying down. It can be listening to something guided on one of the many apps that's there. And it's said that true meditation is just all the time. It can be folding laundry and deciding to breathe deeply and feel every texture of the fabric and feel appreciation and gratitude for those items of clothing and maybe even repeating an inward mantra. And if and if Sanskrit doesn't appeal, then an English word or phrase, something that you want to cultivate, you know, may my heart be open is one of my favorites. And then another that came recently through my yoga therapy course is may I be peaceful, easeful, and useful. Mm, I like that. I like that one too. So these are these are practical, you know, ways that we can purify the negative thought patterns that we all share. But it's helpful to know some of the specific thoughts that we do all have. That will um, that will pop up when we least expect them, and cause some havoc. Yeah, because life, right? Mm-hmm. Like life will keep coming all the time, no matter how good we think we're using our tools. There will always be something. And for many of us, they'll be teenagers. Oh, teenagers! <laughs> oh. God bless us. <laughs> I saw something online and it said, be kind to everyone. You never know who's raising teenagers. It's so true. It's so, or tweens, tweens and teenagers. 
any relationship really but yes uh we can never go wrong by having a little bit more compassion for each other and a lot more compassion for ourselves all right my dear well i will speak to you in a week's time all right talk to you soon love you love you thank you for listening to the radiant warrior podcast If you found it valuable, please leave us a positive review to help others find it. And please check out the Radiant Warrior podcast on Instagram and Facebook to leave us your questions and find out where you can come and practice with us next.